You are listening to the American Truth Project Podcast. Welcome back to America Trends, being broadcast from sunny SoCal into 32 million homes and counting. I'm Wendy Patrick filling in for Dr. Gina. You are watching history as we launch the world's first social TV network. Check U2America.com for your local listings. Last night's debate was make or break for a few of the candidates. And some say that Jeb Bush had to score big or he would be done. Did he pull it off? Or is the Bush dynasty over not yet? Here to discuss is political analyst Barry Nussbaum. Barry, welcome to America Trends. Great to be back with you, Wendy. All right, Barry, I want to ask you a little bit about last night. Now, Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio really went at it. Some are saying this one exchange might be the end of the Bush campaign. But don't go anywhere yet. Let's watch. Sun Sentinel says Rubio should resign, not rip us off. When they say Floridian sent you to Washington to do a job, when they say you act like you hate your job, do you? Yeah, let me say, I, I, I read that editorial today with a great amusement. It's actually evidence of the bias that exists in the American media well, today. Do you hate your job? Let me, let me answer your question on the Sun Sentinel editorial today. Back in 2004, one of my predecessors to the Senate by the name of Bob Graham, a Democrat, ran for president, missing over 30% of his votes. I don't recall them calling for his resignation. Is that the standard? Later that year, in 2004, John Kerry ran for president, missing close to 60 to 70% of his votes. I don't recall the Sun Sentinel. In fact, the Sun Sentinel endorsed him. In 2008, Barack Obama missed 60 or 70% of his votes, and the same newspaper endorsed him again. So this is another example of the double standard that exists in this country between the mainstream media and the conservative media. John, can I, can I, can I bring something up here? Because I'm a constituent of the senator, and I helped him, and, and I expected that he would do constituent service, which means that he shows up to work. Uh, he got endorsed by the Sun Sentinel because he was the most talented guy in the field. He's a gifted politician. But Marco, when you signed up for this, this was a six-year term, and you should be showing up to work. I mean, literally, the Senate, what is it, like a French work week? You get like three days where you have to show up? You can campaign or just resign and let someone else take the job. There are a lot of people living paycheck to paycheck in Florida as well. They're looking for a senator that will fight for them each and every day. Well, it's interesting. Over the last few weeks, I've listened to Jeb as he walked around the country and said that you're modeling your campaign after John McCain that you're going to launch a furious comeback the way he did, by fighting hard in New Hampshire and places like that, carrying well, your own bag at the airport. You know how many votes John McCain missed when he was carrying out that furious comeback that you're now modeling I, under? He wasn't my Now, Jeb, I don't remember, senator. well, let me tell you, I don't remember you ever complaining about John McCain's vote record. The only reason why you're doing it now is because we're running for the same position, and someone has convinced you that attacking me is going to help you. Well, I've been Here's the bottom line. I'm not, I do want to ask you a couple of questions about this exchange between these two men. That was pretty devastating, wasn't it? You know, I watched that live, Wendy, and it reminded me of one of those football games on Sunday where you've got an absolute Hall of Fame quarterback, and here comes the blitz, and the linebacker hits the quarterback and bounces off of him. The defensive left end hits him. There's a safety blitz, and you're thinking, oh, my God, it's the end of this guy's life. And then the end breaks loose, it's a 70-yard pass to win the game. That's what Marco Rubio did last night mm. to Jeb Bush. It starts out, if you notice, that the moderator asked a question and slammed Rubio, and then twice Marco Rubio tried to answer the question, and twice he got interrupted. And to make matters worse, the guy next to him 
Then Jeb Bush jumped on the pile. And what did Marco do? Kept his cool, kept his poise, kept the smile on his face, yeah. and he threw a 70-yard touchdown strike <laughs> into the end zone, and as far as I'm concerned, to win the game. That was the night. He made the night, and honest to goodness, I think he blew Jeb out of the water. Barry, what do you really think about the blame the moderators may have had in sort of causing some of the candidates to go at each other, like the exchange we just saw? Well, look at what Priebus said, right? The RNC chairman said that CNBC embarrassed the network, embarrassed the moderators, and did a tremendous disservice to the GOP, and owes an apology to every candidate on that stage. Last night, Wendy, was supposed to be about the economy and jobs. That was the theory that the Republicans were going to set forth their plans for jobs, their plans for growth, their plans to keep the economy growing. And what happened was it was the moderators versus the guys on the stage. Right. So as a result, honestly, it became everybody on the stage united against <laughs> the three people at the desk. And the crowd got into it. And it was like this WWE of them versus us. And when Marco talked about the fact that the media is biased against the GOP, and he gave example, example, example. Look, Barack Obama missed as many votes uh, eight years ago, right, uh, seven years ago, as Marco's missing. John McCain missed as many. The reality is the media is jumping on him because they don't like him. But it's not a fair and balanced situation. Right, and there's a couple of other examples we can use as well. But let's use your football analogy to talk about another exchange that certainly got a lot of play, okay. so to speak. Let's watch this one involving Governor Christie and Jeff talking about fantasy football. Oh, this was so, this was great. Bush daily fantasy sports has become a phenomenon in this country. We'll award billions of dollars in prize money this year. But to play, you have to assess your odds, put money at risk. Wait for an outcome that's out of your control. Isn't that the definition of gambling, and should the federal government treat it as such? Well, first of all, um, I'm 7-0 in my fantasy football league. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to brag about Ronkowski is still going strong. I have Ryan Tannehill Marco as my quarterback. He was 18 for 19 last week. So I'm doing great, but we're not gambling. And I think this has become something that needs to be looked at in terms of regulation. Effectively, it's day trading without any regulation at all. And when you have insider information, which apparently has been the case, where people use that information, use big data to try to take advantage of it, uh, there has to be some regulation. If they can't regulate themselves, then the NFL needs to look at just you know, moving away from them a little bit, and there, there should be some regulation. I, I have no clue whether the federal government's the proper place. My instinct is to say, hell no, just about everything about the federal government. In fantasy football, we have. Wait a second. We have 19 trillion dollars in debt. We have people out of work. We have ISIS and Al Qaeda attacking us, and we're talking about fantasy football. Talking about sports that loosens everybody up. You notice that everybody starts to this smile. Is, this is another example of the discourse going away from the agreed upon topics. These were pre negotiated, Wendy. Mm -hmm. This was the dumb question tonight. And Christie crushed this. He said, Look, there are all these problems. The world's falling apart. ISIS and Al Qaeda, these are serious survival questions for the United States. And they're taking up national time talking about fantasy football. First of all, it's inappropriate. 
it's a waste of time and it cheapens the value of the debate. Look, people tune in to find out what are these guys thinking? What are the platforms? Who do I want to vote for? They're not going to make a decision based on Jeb Bush's fantasy football thing. By the way, he's doing great. And by the <laughs> way, some of those people vote, they tune in for the entertainment value this time around in the debate as well. Um, let me just ask you one kind of, just to kind of wrap it up here. A poll on Tuesday by CBS News and the New York Times showed Ben Carson in front of Trump by four points. Right. The media called it the beginning of the end for Trump. But then a new poll released yesterday before the debate shows Donald with an 18-point lead. What do you think? Look at the source. The New York Times hates Donald Trump. 15 seconds. I think what's going on is Trump is still way ahead nationwide. I think the New York Times poll within their parameters is a biased poll. I do think, however, as I've been saying for a long time in my writings, We're Donald make Trump has to... Thanks for listening to the American Truth Project, a 501c3 nonprofit. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our social media channels to stay plugged in to the truth. Go to americantruthproject.org and subscribe to our newsletter to stay informed on the latest news.